0: You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor George Willis titled, Broken, Beat Up, Bruised, and Blessed, from the series, My Friend's Favorite Talks. For more info, visit creekside.org. You know, I believe one of the the biggest restraints from us jumping in, jumping all in, uh, being invested, serving, uh, getting on a team, a service team, uh, no matter how uh, significant or what you may deem insignificant, uh, one of the things that keeps us from really jumping in and getting involved and serving in some capacity is that overwhelming feeling of what do I have to offer right. I mean really what what can I do i, mean, I don 't like people. why am I going to go shake their hand <laughs> right or uh, I, I I love dropping off my kids. Why would I dare even serve? Because I want to drop my kids. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's, and it's really out of our brokenness that we, we, we kind of come to that conclusion. We look at the broken areas of our life and go, what what can God really do with me? What can God really do through me? How can God really bless those around me when I know how I really am? And I, And I think he kind of answers this. And I want to jump into it this morning, if you would allow me. Uh, some, someone told me after service, hey, you know what? That, first service, that was really good. You, you seemed kind of nervous at first, but then you kind of got into it. And you know, And I, I don't think I'm nervous. It's just who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can go to, you could ask Ray, who's here. Uh, Ray shows up at Creekside and jumps right in and starts shaking hands and doing guest services like only Ray can do. He's been a huge asset and a partner in our ministry. Uh, if you see Ray, give him a high five. And, and you could say you miss him, but don't try and pull him away from what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, he would know, my wife would know. I'm more of a conversationalist. Uh, I, I know my limitations, and I just, I fervently ask God to, to use me beyond what I think I'm capable of doing. And uh, hopefully you will leave here with something you can hold on to and say, I'm going to apply that to my life this week. Is that cool? Yeah. So I may mumble and stumble through what I'm saying. Uh, uh, I may, may get a little excited about what I'm saying. Uh, but that's cool because we are all family here. Right? All right, you're with me. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, and then I'd like you to take your finger. I want you to find verse 30 and put your finger right there, because that's, what, that's where we're going to camp out this morning. I love seeing these high schoolers. You, know, you're, did you, you graduate, you're not high schoolers anymore. Oh, I'm getting old. Uh, read this along with me. Where Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's a common story, popular story, a well-known story. Um, you may have heard it a, a million times, uh, and, and for some of us, we may just count it as a fresh reminder, maybe a, a, a renewed encouragement, or maybe even for some of us, a challenge uh, this morning. So uh, just let's read along. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized him and saw them leaving, and the people from many towns ran Uh, ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them uh, many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to a nearby farm and village and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Jesus said, how much bread do you have? And then he said, go and find out. They came back and re- reported, "We have five loaves of bread and two fish." Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of fifty or a hundred. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven. Where did he look up to? Heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to. Uh, uh, he kept breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They, ate, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, 12. And then a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as broken, beat up, and bruised people. May not be our entire life that is broken or beat up or bruised, but there are definitely some areas of our life uh, that may be. Father, I pray that as we walk through this passage this morning, you will open our ears and stretch our hearts and reveal exactly what you want to reveal to us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this church, its mission and ministry to this city. And uh, let you be glorified in all that we do and say this morning. And if you are with me, say amen. 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 We're all broken people, there are no perfect people in this room. Look across the table. Now, <laughs> One of the things that I like about this passage is because it speaks to, directly to, into our lives about how we feel, how we have very little to offer, but God can take it and use it and, and really do some miraculous multiplied things, right? How many of you guys like cars? Raise your hand if you are like into cars whether old cars or new cars, a little bit more than first service. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, back in my late teens and uh, into my uh, early 20s, uh, I, when I, I was really into cars, but as a specific type of vehicle, I was into Volkswagens, and I had two Volkswagens. I, some people are going, what? Uh, I had two Volkswagens. I had a 1969 Bug, uh, and then I had a, one, my favorite car of all time favorite was a, a 1968 uh, Volkswagen fastback and if you know about fastbacks they' they're, they're the type 3 engine right the pancake flat engine type that is actually my car with me sitting in it with a little bit more hair uh, <laughs> now my hair is that the color of that car uh, and I loved that car when I bought that car I think I paid six or seven hundred dollars for it it's something uh, which when you have no money, it seemed like a lot of money, but now it's, we still have no money, and it's, it doesn't seem as hard as when I was 18, right? <laughs> but <clears throat> I love that car, 1968 Volkswagen Fastback. I bought that car, and I was super proud of it. It looked worse than that, uh, believe it or not, when I first bought it. I bought it from a mechanic in Concord, And and, uh, when I did purchase this, I had people looking at me cross-eyed, sideways, going, what are you doing buying that rust bucket? You know, they they thought it was a piece of junk. (laughs) It barely ran, blew smoke out the tailpipes. It had a rust-colored primer paint job, as you can see, but it was a straight body. I mean, I loved this car. My wife, Kristen, who is my wife today, girlfriend at the time, didn't prefer it partly because after you were in it, if I'd pick her up to take her on a date, uh, and I don't know if you know anything about Volkswagens, but the the heater worked off a heat exchange that was connected somehow to the exhaust system. So when you pulled the lever to turn the heat on, oh, it got hot, but when you got to your destination, you smelled like burnt exhaust. (laughs) Hair. Clothes, remember those days? I just said, This is a new cologne, babe. Take it in, let it happen. (laughs) It was bad. You got, so obviously she didn't prefer it. Others called it a bucket. Uh, My friends would call it a jalopy. Uh, And I, to this day, I don't even know what a jalopy is. Do you guys? Uh, Some question why I would even put time, money, resources. Why would I invest hard work in getting it to look as good as that? Um, why would I put it in to this car? It's because I loved it. Some say, man, that car is not worth the effort. But you know what? I loved it. I loved that. I'm getting a little emotional. Wow. My wife can attest to it. I loved that car. That was my, that was my life. But don't tell her. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that drastic. I loved that car. You know why I loved that car? Because I didn't see that car for what it was. I saw that car for what it could be. Like this. no applause? Who would not want to get in and roll deep in that? Now, that's not my car. But that's what I saw when I sat in my rust bucket, right? We, we can all do that a little bit, can't we? That's a good-looking car. Uh, preparing this message for this morning, I started thinking about this car and I went on Craigslist to look, that car uh, was listed for $25,000. Now, if I got my car looking like that, who would have been laughing at me now, right? <laughs> Man, I wish I can afford that car. I'd take that car over any car any day. But I love that car because I saw it not for what it was, I saw it for what it could be. And God does the same for us. God does the exact same for us. We can feel beat up, broken, and bruised in a lot of areas in our life we can feel like we have nothing to offer, but God looks at us and says, no, I can take what little you have and do amazing things with it." but to really get a grip on that, we have to understand a couple of things and that's what I want to share with you this morning. The first thing is uh, you know when we when we feel like we lack something, we try and do whatever we can to accumulate whatever it is we feel we lack, right and I don't know if that's what God is is really asking us to do. Actually, I know it's not, so I'm just going to lay it out for you. In order to uh, really kind of understand how God wants to take us and use what little we have to do great things, the first thing we have to understand is that we must be thankful for what we do have before we ask God to give us more. My life would be so much better if I had a better paying job anybody sing that song? It says, but Jesus said, you feed them. They said, with what? They asked. I mean, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Well, how much bread do you have? Why don't you go and find out exactly what you have? And they came back and reported, okay, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. I look at that, and I just think, what whiners, what complainers, and I I see that because I've done it. I mean, haven't we all done that? Haven't we whined and complained about why or why not? Jesus asks us to do something, and we say, what? Are you serious? Really, Jesus? You want me to do what? What? Now, it may not be an audible voice saying, hey, you need to serve in children's ministry, or you need to be on the uh, guest services team, or you need to pick up guitar uh, and, and learn how to play and play on the worship team. It may not be an audible voice, but it could be an impression. It could be him speaking to you. It could be something you read through your devotional and he says something to you. But we've all been there. We've all said, just how do you think, how, how do you think I'm going to, do that. See, I've learned that until we can be thankful for what seems like not enough is often not multiplied into plenty until we begin to be thankful. You cannot be negative and positive at the same time. You you, you cannot have an attitude of of gratitude and complain about something at the same time. It's kind of like sneezing and coughing at the same time. You can't do it. Because an attitude of gratitude definitely changes our attitude, doesn't it? Imagine how different our lives would be. Imagine how different this church would be. Imagine how different our cities would be, if we stopped complaining about what we don't like, what we don't have, and who we are not, and begin to give God praise for what we do have instead. I mean, we can say something like this, God, this might not be the job I want, but thank you that I have a job. God, this this may not be the ideal house, but I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. Maybe it's God, this is not the marriage that, that I expected, but thank you that you've given us the ability to work on it or through it. God, these are not the ministry results that that I I want or I was praying for, but I I thank you that I'm able to be used by you. God, this, this child is not living up to my expectations, but I thank you for the gift of my son or my daughter. Maybe it's Lord, I know what I have may. Not seem like enough, but I lift it up to you and give you praise for what I do have. That's encouraging news. Our lives would be transformed if we can just do that in in a lot of our difficult, broken areas. The key, friends, is to begin to thank God right where we are, for what we do have. And then believe he is able and faithful to perform the miracles necessary to take us where he wants us to go and give us what he wants us to have. Because Jesus Christ is the miracle worker of multiplication. And once we can understand that we give him thanks before we ask him more and he begins to work in our broken areas that way, then we can learn how to look up instead of trying to live up. Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes. He looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Listen, I'm acutely aware of this in my own life. What you and I have to offer will never, ever, 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 ever be enough. Ever. What you and I have to offer will never be enough. Some of us have even set up residence in that zip code. We say things like, what good will I ever be to anyone around me? How can God use me knowing everything I've done in my life? How I've treated people? Things I've said? How can God use me? I'm no Rick Warren. I'm no Mother Teresa. I'm no Terry Riley. (laughs) How can God use me? We tell ourselves, I made too many mistakes in life, don't we? Sometimes I'm a jerk. I parked in a handicapped spot twice this week. I even got a refill at Starbucks this morning using a cup that I purchased three weeks ago. Listen, we are all beat up, we are all broken, and we are all bruised. And this is not, I'm not not trying to paint a, a dark picture here. And, and some of our lives are not broken in totality, it's just certain areas of our life that may be broken, bruised, or beat up a little bit. See, we are, we, we're, we're, we are only reminded of our brokenness when we are focused on what we don't have or when we try by our own strength to live up to certain expectations, certain styles, certain trends. That's all in our own power. And that, that, that eclipses. I always tell our church when we're dealing with tough times, I say, you know, the negative stuff in our life is about this big, right? And, and what God is doing is if you picked up one of these tables and held it up, that's what God is doing because he's capable of doing that. But here's the deal. We as finite humans, imperfect, broken people, what do we do? We focus on the little golf ball size problem right in front of our face, and it blinds us to the amazing miracles that God is either doing or wants to do in our life. That's what we do. So sometimes it's hard to get past that. You see, when the disciples brought five loaves and two fish to Jesus, it was never going to be enough. They were ne- it wasn't going to be enough to feed all those People. But instead of complaining about how little food there was, Jesus blessed the little. What did Jesus do? Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus blessed that little bit. Now turn to your second choice and say, Jesus blessed that little bit. Some of you are lucky because you're only sitting by one person, right? (laughs) So I'm good. We did this because the miracle wasn't about the loaves and fishes. It was about what the boys offering had the potential to become. It's like my car. I saw what it could be, not what it was. And because he is still a miracle-working God, we begin to see ways that... Now here's the most awesome part. Out of our brokenness, Jesus still provides a blessing out of our imperfection, Jesus still provides a blessing. Out of our bruise, whatever, heart, ego, Jesus still provides a blessing. Read uh, verse 41 and 44 with me. It says, then breaking the loaves into pieces. Everybody say breaking. breaking. He kept giving the bread to the disciples. Everyone say Giving. So they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone. Everybody say, everyone. everyone. To share. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish and a total of 5,000 men and their families, which uh, uh, implies that there was more than 5,000 there. Big miracle. They were fed. Once Jesus blessed was what was never going to be enough, You know what he did? He broke it. He blessed it, and he broke it. Say that with me. He blessed it, he broke it. He blessed it, and then what? Broke it. it. I mean, let that, let's hang out there for a second. Let's hang that, let's marinate in that thought a little bit. He blessed it, and he broke it. And that is where the miracle of multiplication begins. We see it. Sometimes a blessing is in the breaking. What we thought was something that held us back from the blessing, given it to God, He uses it and He blesses it. I mean, the very things we think will take us down because they are completely breaking us. They become the very things we can use to feed others around us. Quick example. Some of you here, uh, I've had relationships with you over the 15 years, so you understand my story, uh, but I want to kind of quickly give this to you. Uh, I I, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and uh, I, I thought my life was broken. My wife can attest to this. It took me 45 minutes to take a shot. And uh, through that, though, through that, world shattered. It's hard to have diabetes. It's a a funky disease, frustrating disease that you have to manage constantly. Long story short, I thought my world was done. I was broken. I was frustrated. uh, uh, And I was just at the lowest point in my life going, okay, what good am I going to be now? But through that brokenness, God did some amazing, miraculous things, not just in the area of my health and well-being, but in my relationships. I can then relate to my wife, because she's had it for 16 years before I was diagnosed with it, and uh, our relationship, out of that brokenness, we were blessed by a stronger relationship, Uh, my home life, the church life. Speaking of ministry, how God can use this to feed others around me, I was in Starbucks the other day. My wife and I were on a date night, and we went to Starbucks in Walnut Creek, and I saw this girl, uh, my wife went to the bathroom, and I saw this girl ordering coffee, and she had a tube coming out of her arm. She had something, a patch on her uh, uh, other arm, and then I followed the tube to the front, because I'm going, that looks familiar, and it was the same insulin pump that I have, and I've never seen anybody with that until I saw her, and I said, I got to talk to this girl. You know, she was with her boyfriend at the time, uh, so it was on the level, don't worry, and uh, <laughs> and I said, hey, excuse me, but I noticed that you have this pump. Are you type 1? She's like, yeah, how did you know? And I said, because Boom, I got mine too, <laughs> right? And uh, we, we were swapping diabetes stories, but here's the deal, a relationship started and we got to speak into their life in a positive way. My wife made a relational connection with the girl and I got to hang out with Mike, her boyfriend. Tell me God doesn't use brokenness to bless. Tell me God doesn't use brokenness for, and work through us, through our brokenness to, to feed others. If we put our broken lives, friends, if we put our broken relationships, our broken bodies, our broken finances, our broken emotions, dreams, and hopes into the hands of our gracious, redeeming, restoring, loving Father, if we do that, He will use them to feed the multitudes out of the abundant blessing He has in store for you. Our brokenness does not disqualify us from being used by God. But it will be the very thing that qualifies us.